and welcome back to the Countering Climate Skepticism podcast, episode number four. Have you got fed up with hearing about climate change not being taken seriously? Maybe you find yourself arguing with people, either online or in person, about climate change. Have you heard people say it's natural or climate change has always happened, right? If you're anything like me, this can make you feel pretty helpless and demoralised. So this podcast is our attempt to help address this problem. We aim to provide the counter arguments in the Comet Climate Skeptics playbook and give you the basic knowledge to counter all the nonsense put forth by climate skeptics. My name is John, a history teacher, and with me is my co-host, Mark, a climate researcher. How are you doing, Mark? Not too bad, John. Uh, I have been busy this week attempting to insulate my my family's home, insulate the loft. Oh, nice. Doing it, doing it yourself, are you? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, like I have a, a load of this stuff called carpet underlay and uh, it was kind of an accident, really. I just ordered like a, a little sample and the company that sent me it, like, so I paid a pound for like a little sample and they ended up sending me, what was it, like 15 square meters? <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. It's like my mum was like really confused when this sort of got delivered and uh, yeah, and it's worth like 60 quid, but you know, it's just a mistake that the company made. Uh, nice. So I was trying to figure out how to use it. And I've sort of always been thinking about my my family home. And it's, um, you know, it's like you, you put the heating on in the winter and it sort of heat escapes the house pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I was thinking about ways in which you could maybe insulate it. And uh, I was thinking about the loft for a while. But the problem with the loft is if you put like too much insulation down on the floor, you sometimes risk uh, the pipes freezing. Oh, right. Okay. So I thought that maybe I could use uh, like a, a very powerful staple gun and like staple this carpet underlay to the actual like wooden rafters that got the yeah. the inside of the loft. And I, I sort of sanity checked this with a builder first. I said, like, "This is yeah. could this work?" And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, it's a good idea." So uh, I perhaps gonna going to do this over the next few months before before the winter temperatures hit in the uk nice nice no, yeah. well, rather you than me like uh, i absolutely hate getting up to do work in the lofts it just gets so dusty and filthy up there i mean before we went we went traveling uh, one of our jobs was going to be to board the loft because we were going to have that as a, a storage area um, mm. while we rented out our house but you know i ended up paying somebody to come and do it themselves uh, and they were it turns out they did it for not too bad a price far quicker okay. than I would have done uh, without all the stress and effort that I would have had to have done. So uh, well mm. done well done you for getting stuck in with it. I mean, uh, since we've uh, come back, we've uh, been trying to be a lot more conscious when it comes to, to energy use and, and wastage. Mm. Um, we like we had to buy a whole new like kitchen set. So like washing machine and, and uh, fridge and everything like that. And it's just crazy how difficult it is to actually find uh, those those machines that are actually like low in energy uh, kind of expense, which is um, something that I've been trying to be a bit more conscious of now that we're back. Okay, uh, from my mum's my house, I managed to persuade her like back in the day to get. Um, I think it was like it had an energy rating of A triple plus. Yeah. Uh, so we have like a freezer in our kitchen, which is it's from a, a German firm. Uh, with with Brexit, I don't know whether it's as easy to get hold or. But um, yeah, like if, if you <laughs> let me know if you want the make. Uh, yeah. But, but it probably I think it, the problem is that it costs a lot 
initial outlay yeah but just yeah. over the years you'll save money because that freeze yeah. is always on and yeah absolutely and something that i noticed doing a little bit of research and digging into it in myself is that they're, they're quite they're quite sly actually the the energy efficiency is mm-hmm. not the same as their rating for how much energy they use oh, what? Um, really? so so yeah so i noticed this i i ordered something that was like triple a for mm-hmm. energy efficiency yep but then it was graded as d uh under the energy scale um so yeah like, that's something to to look out for uh yeah. like dishwashers and and uh, fridges you know they just use up so much energy like well one uh, when we were out in the states actually something that is kind of a, a really long-term goal for my wife and i but something to be quite exciting if we do get to this point uh when we were in new mexico we were just driving uh driving through the desert and we saw these crazy like alien looking houses and we were like what the hell are those and and it suddenly occurred to my wife lisa because she she'd seen tv programs about them they're what they call an earth ship so they're off-grid entirely self-contained renewable buildings so right. the walls are made with a, a base of recycled tires um, they then like build and, and sculpt the building on top of that they are entirely self-heating so they use like solar to to generate their heat and electricity uh, the natural windows uh, generate um, like uh, enough light to do in order to grow plants and to have a greenhouse growing in there and the whole the whole water system and everything um, is all run through rainwater so it collects rainwater and cycles that through uh, so you know we, we were just absolutely amazed with these buildings and, and just thought yeah that's that's something as, as somebody environmentally conscious like us would, would like to work towards you know can we get to that point of having an entirely self-sufficient house uh, with its energy use yeah, that's that's really inspiring, and it sort of goes against uh, uh, the, I guess, cliche that you know Americans don't care about the environment so much. No, no. I mean, they they were saying we we were asking about where they get built, and they said that they do actually build them across the world. Uh, just some places are just much much trickier for getting planning permission and, and more red tape and stuff. But they they do have some that they built in the UK as well. So, you know, maybe one day we'll be able to save up enough to just buy a plot of land and and start getting building. Yeah. Good luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Uh, okay, so uh, what about uh, any climate denial confrontations you've had this week? I'd say confrontations. Well, they're, they're mostly confrontational, aren't they? <laughs> you know, John, one week you will ask me that question. And I'll be like, I've scoured the internet and there's just nothing out there this week. <laughs> the, the, the climate skeptics, deniers, contrarians, they're all on holiday. But this week won't be that week, John. Okay. And so a couple of days ago, I was uh, one in particular struck me. I mean, it's one that you hear a lot. And it's this kind of, as as you and I know, there's a sort of uh, consensus among scientists who study the climate, uh, something like 97% of them. And sometimes you see it's even higher depending on, you know, how you measure it. But 97% of them agree with the statement that the, the earth has warmed. Uh, yeah. And that this warming is human caused or mostly human caused. Um, and so so, this, so you get a type of argument that's that goes something like this. You know, well, Galileo was, you know, like he was in the minority and he was he ultimately was right. He was vindicated, you know, maybe even mm. after his death. So <laughs> therefore, 
we are the Galileos of our modern time. You know, we're being ignored. <laughs> So yeah, it's... yeah. Even even I've come across that kind of argument. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm just a misunderstood genius. Yeah. Mm. God, it's amazing how many misunderstood geniuses there are out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I mean, this particular this particular one, he wasn't referring to Galileo specifically. He was he was mentioning the uh, the science of the, the history of the science behind like tectonic plates moving. And this was this is actually like a really interesting case study because. You know, we didn't all like people know that over very, very slow periods of time, the Earth's continents move about. And then, you know, if you go back hundreds of millions of years, you can't even recognize the plate configurations. Uh, You know, like India, sort of over like, I don't know how many tens of millions of years, it's been slowly, you know, sort of crashing into sort of Asia. And then you get this, the Himalayas like pop up because because of this collision, essentially. But it's just happening so slowly. But so, so like you go back 100 or 200 years, don't know exactly when, but we didn't, we thought, I think, I guess we must have thought that the, you know, the way that the earth looks now is the way it's always been. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we didn't know that like there was this movement, this tectonic movement. And then some, some scientists worked this out or some group of scientists worked this out. Sorry, I'm not that familiar with the history of it. But, but mm-hmm. I think when they initially said, you know, this might be happening, like they were, they were ridiculed even within the yeah. scientific community. Uh, but ultimately, they were right, uh, you know, and they managed to get, you know, like other people to see this. Um, so this sort of thing, you know, this kind of like I guess Galileo type of thing does happen. But yeah. <laughs> the difference between that and what the you know the, <laughs> the self-proclaimed sort of climate denier Galileo types out there, the difference is this: when there is something like this in science it's essentially one scientist you know who's sort of qualified up as a scientist will then try to convince the scientific community that they are right yeah and this will happen sometimes very slowly i mean there is even this one saying which i find a little bit funny that sort of science proceeds one coffin at a time so 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 it can even you know amongst scientists like even though someone is right you know Old ideas sometimes, you know, die very slowly, but they, yeah. they do, they do ultimately die. So when you look at climate skeptics or scientists, the first, sorry, it's climate skeptics or deniers, the first thing that you notice is that the majority of them, the vast, vast majority of them are not scientists to start. Right. So they don't really have scientific training or if they do have scientific training, it's not really in sort of climate science mm. and they haven't published any research, you know, uh, in that field. Uh, but then you do have like you do have like there are a few famous names within climate science where you have like published authors who dissent from the I guess you could call it the consensus among the majority mm. of the fields. They are not convincing to the rest of the scientific field. And like people have actually looked at their papers. And first of all, what, what's what's interesting is that they uh, they don't agree on an alternate course. You know, they have like, you know, all different numbers of causes. So they're not even agreeing on what 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 the what the, what, the, what the alternate cause to the warming that we see yeah. is. Um, and then in addition to that, you know, when you actually look at their their papers, methodologies and the data that they've used, typically there's this enormous problem with it. Like they missed out a whole chunk of data or the way they've done their statistics is just fraudulent. You know, so it's it's actually quite, you know, you get people write papers or 
you know, reports on what's wrong with certain, you know, they managed to get it through peer review and it's in journals and it hasn't been retracted necessarily, but it is kind of known to be problematic. So, so, but, um, but yeah, so, I mean, if, if you're a climate skeptic and you're a published author, that's one thing, but it's just yeah. the, the, the people, most of the people saying that I am a Galileo, they're just not scientists. <laughs> and, and also like, even amongst the sort of like the people who are published authors, you know, the people that they're sort of, you know, complaining to and talking about their theories tends to be the deniers outside of the scientific community. So they, they are basically not really engaging with the field. So, yeah. so sorry, even yeah. then, you know, the, the, the chances that they are, Gal there's always a chance that there's a Galileo, but a Galileo is pretty feckin' rare. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, just can't account for all the Galileos out there, John. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so let's uh, move on with our topic uh, for today. Well, what's on the menu for today, Mark? What are we looking at? Right. So, uh, so the previous two episodes that we've done have been about the first level of the climate denial ziggurat, uh, which is, John? First level is, oh, you put me on the spot here, uh, <laughs> that uh, climate change isn't happening. Yes. So global warming, there's, the, the temperatures aren't going up. They're, they're yeah. flat. They haven't changed. No, yeah, no, no, never happened. Didn't happen. <laughs> Debunked in the last two weeks. Next. Exactly. That's 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 kind of what they're like. So anyway, so that's uh, that's the first level. So now we're moving with probably with this episode and the next one, we're moving on to the second level. What's the second level? Uh, that if climate change is happening, then we didn't do it. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. The last two episodes when we were doing level one, that the climate isn't changing or maybe it's getting cooler. Even there were a lot of different arguments, sort of subtypes of this. Yeah. On. So, again, and I'll include this in the show notes. Skeptical Science is a web website. There's a list of 219 different denial arguments. So basically they, they show them and they give you like a one word sort of like rebuttal to each of them. But you can actually click on each of the arguments. And then you can sort of read at different levels of complexity why they're false. But um, it's quite a, it's quite good for this podcast because I can sort of look through, gather up all the arguments that are relevant, and sort of then sort of like classify or like put them, organize them a little bit. Okay. And so we did that with uh, level one, and and there were for level one, I think, out of the 219, 53 of them were saying that the climate hasn't warmed or that it's gotten cooler. So that's about 24%. And then 40% of the, of the 219 arguments, so 87 different arguments, were uh, about level two saying, so the, the warming has happened, but it is definitely not to do with human-caused greenhouse gases like CO2. Okay. So we're, so we're basically talking like over a third of all arguments being made are around the it isn't us yes yes um so it's probably the biggest layer of the ziggurat in terms of um arguments because i think as i said last week um the 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 idea that the climate isn't getting hotter i don't think flies so it's if a if a if a, if a denialist or a skeptic is wanting to you know talk about that like people will say come on mate like just look look at the news or you know, it's obviously changing. So, so it's it's it's. I guess they they have more luck if they just say, you know, it is warming, but it's not us. 
Yeah. Therefore, we can't do anything about it, etc., etc. Et but even even this layer of the the ziggurat, in you know, like people people are getting wiser, and in in the UK, I think most people people know that it is human cause CO two predominantly that is the cause. So, uh, okay, so if we ziggurat level two, uh, it is warming, but it's not us. Uh, if we break down that into like various different subcategories. I've got four subcategories for you, John. The biggest one is, uh, of which we have 34 separate arguments, is that it is not human-caused greenhouse gases. Okay. Uh, for example, volcanoes emit CO2. They emit way more CO2 than humans. That's an example argument. Uh, the second subtype is other causes and there are 28 of those uh, in the list uh, for example the sun is getting hotter and that's what's causing the climate to warm then you've got uh, 15 uh, arguments that sort of suggest uh, the warming is happening but it's a natural cycle uh, I mean you've got various different ones here but for one of them for example is uh, we reckon it's a, a 1,500 cyclical thing where it gets warm and it gets colder. So just and, to clarify yeah. for all of uh, all our listeners, any new listeners as well. So these are all arguments then that over the course of this episode and next episode, we're going to debunk and we're going to be saying how these aren't actually correct. Exactly. Um, maybe not quite all of them because there's 87 <laughs> of them. But, uh, <laughs> but that, that's why it's important to put them into a sort of you know, to organize them a bit and to take like, you know, representative arguments. And then by hearing how this is debunked, you know, you can sort of you can apply this to, to sort of variations because they're just yeah. infinite variations. And uh, there's a there's a remaining 10 basically like other types of like sort of a hodgepodge of different different things. But like one example is some some of the arguments are that it is CO2. Is carbon dioxide, but that carbon dioxide is not produced by us. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the usual ones that I think we came, we had last week or last time, which were just misleading claims or ones that questioned the data. Because it's always easy to question the data, you know. So truly a dizzying array of climate skeptical arguments. Yeah. So in, in today's episode. We're not so much going to look at uh, the various different arguments here. We're going to, first of all, get a, a more firm footing on what the science actually says okay. about the causes of the current warming that we're seeing. So the idea is that in this episode, if you, uh, if you listen to this and you absorb the information here, then you'll have like a kind of a foundational knowledge and that will enable you to sort of maybe more critically evaluate, yeah, you know, yeah. claims that conflict with that. First of all, uh, the climate skeptics love to say uh, climate has changed before, uh, implying that uh, it may be warming now, but this warming is nothing new in the context of Earth's history. And they are correct that climate change has happened before, that the Earth's climate has, over its long history, it's gone up, it's gone down, it's done various things, and humans weren't involved then. They are absolutely right. But before we deal with the second part of that, so that, so basically the implication that they make is because it 
has changed in the past. Therefore, uh, it can't be humans causing it now. That's that's a little bit of a non sequitur, mm. uh, which I think we dealt with maybe in the first episode, non sequitur logical fallacies. Yeah. Um, but I'll explain a little bit more later why this is a fallacy. But first of all, uh, I'd like to divide up uh, Earth's history into four different periods uh, from the closest in time, working backwards uh, to make the following discussion a bit simpler. So, so the very closest period of history is the, the period since 1850, since the Industrial Revolution, uh, where we, uh, you know, we found, we discovered coal, oil and gas, and we started to uh, burn them to uh, drive our economies faster and faster and increase our productive output. Uh, so, so that that is, I'd, rec- I'd refer to that historical period as the current warming. If you go back before that, uh, so say from the beginning of the last uh, 20,000 years ago uh, to 1850, uh, I'd refer to that as the near past. So uh, you're a history teacher, John. Uh, this would maybe be a bit of a different scale for you because I doubt yeah. you would say 20,000 years ago was the near past, would you? No, no. But I mean, like, so we're, we're talking about the end of the, the last ice age around then, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. So I think it's it's my understanding that I think Homo sapiens have been mm-hmm. around for approximately 200,000 years and uh, that so the last 20,000 years is when we then see this explosion of, of human activity after the mm. last ice age when we discover domestication of animals um, and farming. Yes, exactly. So uh, even though that's still a fair way in the past, I'm referring to all of that in a climate context as the near past. If you go back further than that, you have the intermediate past. And the intermediate past starts one million years ago. So the intermediate past is one million years ago, all the way to 20,000 years when the near past starts. Going back further than that, uh, say from 60 million years ago to one million years ago, this is the deep past. And then before that, uh, and it's funny, like 60 million years ago, the last 60 million years, have been just 1.3% of all of Earth's history. Yeah. It's amazing. It, like it is. It, yeah. I mean, like, we, uh, we, we, when we were traveling across the States, you know, I think I bring this up every every episode, but when we were when we were visiting the Grand Canyon and they were talking about how the Grand Canyon is something that has formed over the last 6 million years, mm-hmm. uh, but the erosion rate for the Grand Canyon has been about the thickness of a piece of paper per year. Wow. And yet you've got this canyon that's like 6,000 feet deep. And uh, yeah, it just blows your mind when you think of like how how long geological timescales actually are. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nuts. So even 60 million years ago to the Earth, that's, you know, like no time at all. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and before 60 million years ago, uh, I think we have, there's, there's, we, we know something about the climate before, prior to that, but it's obviously much harder. There's not much, you know, fossil records are obviously not there or 
to the same extent as you know the more recent past. Uh, the Earth, because of tectonic activity, the Earth kind of like uh, eats itself up, and you, you lose all that stuff in the rock records. Yeah. So uh, it's a, it's you know before before 60 million years ago, it's a lot harder to do climate research and to know what was happening to the climate. We do have some idea, but but uh, but anyhow, it's uh, most of what we're going to be referring to today is you know sort of in that one percent sort of closest to us in time. Yeah, so, I'm just going to I'm just yeah. going to fact check myself as well. All right, uh, that <laughs> I, I was wrong over humans having existed for 200,000 years. It's actually 300,000 years we emerged from Africa, uh, but started showing modern behaviour between 160 and 60,000 years ago. Right. Look, look at that. That I mean, isn't that a superb behaviour? Fact checking yourself. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a hats off to you, sir. Yeah, I've, I've evolved to the point of fact-checking myself, unlike certain other uh, human beings. Mm. Can't imagine who, can't imagine who. <laughs> I should do a bit more fact-checking of myself. Uh, I mean, in later episodes, uh, no doubt all the mistakes I've made will, will come in in a torrent of emails and I'll have to suddenly... I wasn't talking of... about you, Mark. I was talking about Trump. But, uh... Oh, OK, 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 right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, hopefully I'm a little better than Trump in my uh in my podcasting yes absolutely we set the bar low on this podcast <laughs> that is uh some level to set it at but uh, fair enough okay so john do you remember sorry I, I feel like i'm putting you on the spot a lot here but do you remember the current rough average temperature of the world today john i don't remember but i seem to remember it was colder than i was expecting was it something in the 20s or not bad maybe? Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of close. Uh, Fifteen degrees. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't remember. So, I'll, so it, I'll write it down for next week. <laughs> it's 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 fine. I mean, it's like it's just the one of the useful numbers to have because it's like you know, um, quite. I mean, it's a very sort of like broad number, obviously, because you know you get yeah. it's hotter on average. It's not fifteen. It's usually hotter than fifteen degrees at the equator, and it's usually colder at the poles. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, sorry, it might be fourteen, but it's something like fourteen or fifteen. Right. So if we go to uh, slide two of the I think this was the slideshow from episode two, the PowerPoint, and this will be in the show notes both in this week and episode twos if you want to look at it with us. So let me know when you brought that up, John. Yeah, I've got it. So so this this particular figure uh, shows us the last 60 million years, the, the, the deep past onwards. And it, and it actually breaks it up into the intermediate past and, uh, the near past and even the, the current warming, but it, the, the X axis, you know, changes its scale. So you can have all of those on the one graph. Um, and, uh, you can see, uh, that 55 million years ago, so, like, we're talking 10 million years after the dinosaurs died out, uh, Earth's average temperature was a fair amount higher. Like, how 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 high was it, John? Where when what year were you looking? Sorry. So, so 55 million years ago uh, to 50 million years ago. So, is this when there's that little spike? Uh, yes, and just just the the hump, as it were, as well. Uh, well, the spike shoots up to maybe about, was that 20, 23, 24 degrees above what we have now? Uh, yep. And then the temperature 
on average, other than that spike, is around about 15 degrees warmer than it is now. Okay, so I guess we should sort of talk about Fahrenheit as well. So if we talk about 15 degrees warmer uh, in Fahrenheit, that's I believe that's 59 degrees Fahrenheit warmer. Okay. Uh, and sorry, just to go back a little bit, I said we were talking about the Earth's average temperature. That's also 59 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, and sorry, what did you say the increase was? Was it 20? Uh, 15 degrees warmer than it is now. Right, right. So it's in centigrade. Uh, yeah, so it's 59 degrees Fahrenheit. And then there's a. The, sorry, the average temperature now is 59 degrees Fahrenheit. And then back uh, 50 million years ago, the temperature then rose another 59 degrees Fahrenheit to 86 degrees Fahrenheit. Is that right? Uh, because, yeah, yeah, we're talking about 15 degrees centigrade more. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Sorry. I, I hope we're not making this too confusing with centigrade. So, so it's it was on average 30 degrees um, for the average temperature um, around that time. So, yeah. Wow. That's that really is hot compared yes. to what we have now. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. I mean, like uh, one degree is a huge change in the in the climate system. Um, and, and like when they talk about like catastrophic global warming now, they're, what they tend to be talking about is like greater than four degrees or like the, the highest you sort of see is like plus six degrees yeah. uh, centigrade. So four degrees would be uh, 39.2 Fahrenheit. Am I getting this right? Is four degree, would four degrees be? Hang on, I might be getting this wrong. Apologies if we're getting this. <laughs> yeah, that's obviously <laughs> too much, isn't it? So a four degree increase is... Sorry, I got a little function on my calculator which like switches between centigrade and Fahrenheit, but it's obviously yeah. uh, not working for like changes in temperature. Um, so I think yeah, because so, like, you can't because thirty is you have to take off thirty and then double it, don't you? So um, it would actually be so because like thirty or is it thirty-two or Fahrenheit or something like that is zero degrees centigrade. Um, yes. So you have to take that. Up. Well. Okay. Who came up with that system? Honestly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, zero yeah. is when things freeze. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So, hundred is when things boil. <laughs> if you if you're water. Right, let me just see. Let me see what one degree. Sorry, I might record this bit just because we're, we're we're sort of we've confused things a lot with the Fahrenheit. Let me just. I think it's when you, you. I think I get into a model when it when I talk about change is in degrees. So if I if it's one. On, on a side note, if it's fifteen degrees warmer. Uh, in the future, that's really going to feed into all those conspiracy theories uh, that the royal family are actually lizards because uh, <laughs> they're going to they're going to love living in that temperature. Uh, provided they have some shade, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, right. Sorry, I'm going to I'm going to maybe redo this bit just so that I can be a little bit clearer with centigrade and Fahrenheit. Uh, actually true, by the way. The royal family aren't actually lizards. I don't have any factual evidence to prove that. So it's 59 degrees Fahrenheit on average now. Yeah. And then we're adding whatever 15 degrees Celsius is to 59 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. So so basically, if you want to do the change, you have to do a different calculation. And it's 15 times 1.8. So 15 degrees uh, centigrade, just for any American listeners, uh, equates to 59 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, so that's like the Earth's average temperature. 
So uh, slide two of uh, the PowerPoint presentation uh, we had in week two had uh, a, a diagram showing the, the Earth's climate over the last 60 million years. Uh, do you have that slide up, John? Yeah. Good stuff. When was the te Earth's temperature the highest, according to that, that graph? Um, in that, I can't remember what you, you called it, but that period of 50,000 years where there's a blip that shoots up that went up to maybe as far as 24 degrees centigrade above the average temperature now. 24 degrees uh, centigrade or Celsius? Centigrade. Uh, yeah, centigrade and Celsius are the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're not wrong on that. Okay, so in Fahrenheit, 43 degrees Fahrenheit above what the temperature is now. So it'd probably be quite close to 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. Um, in, in, and so 35 degrees or something like that in centigrade. So, wow, so the, the Earth's climate has been Cooking. bloody hot before, right? Yeah. Yeah, like 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 currently, I think when we talk about like global warming now, we've we've raised the temperatures about one point one degrees or something like that. Uh, if we raise them four degrees centigrade, four degrees centigrade would be uh, seven point two degrees Fahrenheit. That would be pretty catastrophic for like humanity, uh, global civilizations, you know. And if we raise them by six degrees, um, that's like almost 11 degrees Fahrenheit, like all bets are off. So yeah. we're not even talking about that. We're talking about like 15 degrees uh, or, or more than that in, in the distant past. So uh, like, yeah, yeah, the Earth's, the Earth's climate has been hot before. So, so, so no one in the scientific community is denying that uh, the Earth's climate has been very hot before. Um, I think you just need to, if you want it to be hotter than it is today with the fact that we've raised it by by 1.1 degrees or uh, almost two degrees Fahrenheit, I think you need to go back something like 100,000 years or more uh, to get to a time when it's been hotter than today. Um, so if we look back, to, so, okay, so this, this figure, uh, for those who are with us for episode two, it's interesting because it has uh, 60 million years of, of Earth's climate uh, temperature data but it splits it up into the, the, the deep past and then you get the, the x-axis sort of changes and then you get the intermediate past, so like the last a million years, and then you get the, the more recent past. So you've got, so the scale changes as you go along the x-axis. So tell me, John, what's happening in the intermediate past? So that's like between a million years ago and 20,000 years ago. What's happening to the Earth's climate? It's fluctuating up and down, but in general, it's stable um, and it's generally stable between like the same temperature is now down to minus five. But that's that's still a still a hell of a lot, right? Like, as in as in when I say minus five, as in like five degrees less than what it is on average now. So, yeah, I mean, that is a that is a massive difference um, when you're saying that plus four degrees will be disastrous, presumably minus four degrees also has a, a significant impact. Yes, yes. I mean, if you go back, if you if you reduce the Earth's average temperature by four degrees, that's like 20,000 years ago when ice sheets would cover like the northern half of the UK. So right down from the poles all the way to the 
the middle of the UK or something like that. There was just this enormous ice sheet sitting on top of the Earth. So uh, kind of a bit like Hoth in Star Wars then. Yeah, I suppose. Does, does, is, 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 does Hoth have any part of it that's like not no, under probably ice? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> right, right. So sort of like halfway on its way to Hoth then, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Half a Hoth. Half a Hoth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, I think actually, funnily enough, I think the, um, this is why when I was talking before about like, we don't know much about Earth's climate prior to 60 million years, but I think um, we do know some things. And the thing that made me think, made me realize that is that I think they, they theorize that um, there's been a couple of times in Earth's history where it's been what's known as a snowball Earth. Right. So, or they, they think that the Earth was a snowball Earth. So basically it, it would have been Hoth, you know, it would have been just completely white. If you you're an alien spaceship and you sort of zoomed by, it would have been just, yeah, so. Um, just really drives home just how fragile our whole existence is really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like at that time when it was uh, covered in ice, you know, the, the, the Earth would have been the same distance from the sun, you know, so it's not not as if, you know, anything major, like in terms of orbits would have been different. Mm. But it's it's just that, you know, climate is a complicated thing. And, you know, and, and we're going to learn more about like, you know, how climate changes. But essentially, you know, it, it's greenhouse gases are a big part of this and greenhouse gases, even before humans come along, they play a, a very important role. But, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it kind of oscillates, right, between in the last million years. Yeah. Yeah. How, how many oscillations in that period of a million years would you roughly count? Uh, does an oscillation include going both directions or just one way? Uh, both directions. So sort of an up and a okay. down would be one oscillation. Ten? Ten, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's uh, an oscillation, an up and a down every 100,000 years? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Ah, yeah, I see where you're going with this as well then. So like, so the scale on this map, it's not two scale, as it were, because it has like 60 million years to 1 million years, then has 1 million to 20,000, then 20,000 to zero. So right. the fact that there is this kind of over the last 20,000 years, it being cold and coming up again, although it looks like it's happening quite slowly, if you were to put it on the same geological time scale as the other scale, it mm. would be part of that natural oscillation back up again. Would that be right? That's correct. So if you if you make the if you expand out the time series or the, the x axis, uh, even like an abrupt rise over like a very long period of time uh, would suddenly look very gradual. So this, yeah. this is an important thing to bear in mind. Right. OK, so an impromptu scientific experiment for you, John, to conduct cool. in your own head. Um, OK. <laughs> so uh, this is this is the episode of me putting you on the spot i apologize that's, can, that's, what, that, we, that's like when you when the when the teacher says to the science people right we're going to do a practical but you're going to do it in your own head it's like oh okay. yeah 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 i I'm, <laughs> I'm, i apologize because it's ironic because i'm the one holding a beer uh, <laughs> and it's going to be about beer cans and okay. you know i, I rubbing you know, it in. sorry rubbing it in yeah yeah i i uh I feel bad. Although I was with you in GCC chemistry and I remember you doing something crazy with some sort of like acidic solution. And then the, oh, what, and it exploded. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You. And it like fell on, I don't know, people's clothes or something. Like, I can't remember yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Oh, so. 
Yeah, it's probably just as well they didn't. I didn't carry on doing uh, A level chemistry, isn't it? Well, uh, in any case, we're going to be doing a bit of. I don't know. This is more like physics, but uh, um, but yeah, I give you two beer cans, and you take one outside and you put it in the sunshine. Okay. And then you take the I'm, other one. I'm, and, I'm yeah. double parked, beer in each hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you so you put your one one outside, and then the other one you put in a cool corner of some room where there's no sunlight. Okay. You leave them there for a couple of hours, maybe like three hours, uh, and you open them both. Do you have any idea what would what would happen, or like which? Well, I take the cold way? one first, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I presume one would have in the metal can would have warmed in the sun and continued to warm and the one in the cold would have warmed but much slower yes uh what about when you're opening them do you think you have to be more careful with one than the other yeah i'm not sure which i'm not sure how it works though um i presume maybe the one in the sun would um be more likely to explode that's that's correct yes so so basically this happens because so so do you know first of all do you know the what what gas is in a beer? Is it CO two? Yes, it is CO two. So so any any carbonated drinks, the the gas that comes out of it is is carbon dioxide. And if you if you have a coke and you burp, that's basically the the carbon dioxide that they use to make it fizzy. Um. So so essentially, uh, hang on. Does that mean that the more coke you drink, the more you're <laughs> increasing the CO two in the atmosphere? I guess maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I wouldn't worry about it because it's going to be a very very small amount okay you know like when people are, are worrying about like carbon footprints i don't think you know there's some yeah they don't really ask you how many cokes do you drink yeah <laughs> and, and even if it was i mean like you know telling people sorry you can't have beer anymore i mean like people would just be like you know climate change bring it on if we can't have beers i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> Life's not worth living. <laughs> yeah. So, so the so essentially, as as a liquid gets warmer, or sorry, if I do it, put it the other way, if a, if a liquid is cold, it can contain more carbon dioxide in itself. Okay. So if you have uh, like a coke that's quite cold, and then you warm it up, the liquid won't be able to contain the amount of carbon dioxide it's got in it and so it'll have to degas that carbon dioxide and and so in a in a beer can uh the yeah so the the the, the little area the little volume uh above the the liquid will then be like really full of this degassed carbon dioxide okay so 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 essentially we've we've learned that uh warmer gases warmer liquids can't really hold as much carbon dioxide as colder ones with this with this knowledge here john what do you think might happen to the world's oceans as the climate warms up uh, so i presume they can't contain as many as much co2 um i mean so i and i presume is it just co2 or are there other uh, molecules or or atoms that they can't keep hold of uh, so it's probably uh, other sort of gas. So there are sort of various gases in the atmosphere uh, and they will 
that a certain amount of those will be absorbed in the in in the world's oceans. So it's I think it I think it's a it happens to all the the gases uh, that the that the oceans contain. But but essentially because you know like it doesn't really matter about oxygen and nitrogen because they're not greenhouse gases. Yeah yeah. But um, with carbon dioxide, yeah, you're right. Uh, as as the as the ocean surfaces warm, they end up uh, letting out a little bit of the carbon dioxide that they have trapped within them. Okay. Basically, so for this a million years, the climate has gone sort of it's got hotter and then it's got colder about once every hundred thousand years, and and this was obviously uh, way before you know humans were around burning fossil fuels. So did you have any inkling on maybe what what maybe caused that? Um... Is it potentially slight fluctuations in the Earth's orbit? You're absolutely right there. A plus, sir. You've got about three different types of variations of the Earth's orbit. So uh, the two that are easiest to understand is we, you know, you sort of think that the Earth uh, orbits the sun in like a perfect circle. Yeah. Um, but we don't quite orbit the Earth sorry, the, the sun in a complete, in a perfect circle. There's a sort of, at some point Elliptic in the Earth's orbit. Correct. Yeah. But it, but it's, it's fairly close to, um, you know, a circle. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't notice it if you were like looking down, but like there's like a little bit of a, and just in the same way that like the Earth isn't a perfect sphere, you know, you're actually, what's it? The, the equation. Squashed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so sometimes, so I think so these orbital variations, they they vary very, very slowly. So like over 40,000 years or 100,000 years. So it, the Earth's orbit goes from being more circular to a little bit more elliptical and then back okay. to circular elliptical. And then uh, another sort of variation in orbit is uh, so. So the Earth isn't exactly if you were to sort of, you know, you have the sun in front of you. And you have the Earth next to it. Do you think that the North Pole would be pointing directly upwards and the South Pole pointing directly downwards? Or no, no, it it's slightly offset, isn't it? Because we spin slightly on a on an angle on the axis. And Correct. I don't understand the difference. But then we also have a magnetic North as well as the actual axis North as well, don't we? Yes. That's that's correct. Yeah. So so we're we're the Earth is not like straight up. It's inclined by something like twenty three degrees, uh, and this uh, this tilt gives us our seasons. Um, in the UK, it's quite you know we're quite far north, so our our summer days are eighteen hours long, uh, and sorry sixteen hours long. Uh, and our nights in the the winter at the peak of winter are 16 hours long. So yeah, big variation. Really, you notice the difference in that um, being in Europe as opposed to North America, because you you don't realise like I, I it hadn't occurred to me even when we were really far north in America in Washington State, the mm. days were still far shorter than we have here in England, like in the summer. Um, so you know in England you it'll still be in in the middle of june it will still be like sunshine at like 11 o'clock at night uh, but quite regularly in in june and july in america the sun was going down by 9 p.m so it's it's crazy how much of a difference that makes when you're further or closer to the equator further from the poles yes yes it's, it's, it must must have been a, one of the many shocks 
of uh, being in America for you, John. Yeah, yeah. And almost being shot out in the woods. But yeah. Really? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, this family cracked out some AR-15s and started shooting them off into the woods. Yeah, we, we left quite quickly. Uh, presumably they, they saw where you were and weren't directly aiming at you? Or? Well, no, they were quite annoyed that we were in the way of their targets. Um, and, they, and they said as such, asked us to leave. Bloody hell. So did they fire shots or was it just like harsh words? Or? No, no, they were firing shots. Yeah. Yeah, and they not were in directly, your general... not directly at us. Like they were going past our heads, though. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. insane. Yeah, yeah. Were you being cheeky or? No, we we said, oh, terribly sorry, don't want to walk through your campsite, and they said, yeah, you best not. We've got guns and axes. <laughs> Bloody hell! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 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 just to, for the record, most Americans you met were lovely people. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the vast majority were. Wow. Anyway, I'm glad, I'm glad you, 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 you survived that because obviously yes. you, you weren't meeting yeah, Otherwise, this podcast wouldn't be happening. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't. No, no, it certainly wouldn't. Uh, okay, interesting, interesting tangent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, 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 at least in the UK, the weather might be a bit worse, but yeah, no, hopefully but no one will shot. shoot at you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a school might collapse on you, but <laughs> you won't get <laughs> shot. Okay, so so you have these these changes in orbits, and what that does is it slightly changes how the how the sun's uh, ultraviolet light lands on the Earth. It sort of redistributes it uh, between the equator and the poles. So this is a sort of a tiny change, but uh, what then happens is it it causes certain ocean currents to change. And as a result of that, certain parts of the oceans warm up. And when they warm up, you get a bit of an outgassing of uh, carbon dioxide because it can't hold as much. Carbon dioxide is released from the Earth's oceans. Carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas uh, that warms the climate a bit further. And that then, so it sort of becomes a bit of a positive feedback loop. And then you switch to a to a much warmer state and so that would be one of the in these 10 oscillations that you've got that'll be one of the peaks so um, so when you when you when you're looking at those ups and downs john uh does do the ups happen more abruptly than the downs or uh the ups happen much more abruptly yes so i guess this is this again the time scale is uh quite compact here but but certainly it ha- the, the the compared to the the cool downs the yeah. uh, the warm ups happen much faster uh, on this particular time scale um, and so 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 you get these you get this kind of like uh, chicken and egg situation between carbon dioxide and temperatures so uh, you know as the temperatures go up carbon dioxide comes out of the oceans and this this is this is part of the the sort of the natural, uh, you know, so the changes that are initially precipitated by variations in the Earth's orbit that happen over 100,000 years. Uh, and this this creates a slight change, which then makes the Earth's oceans warm and then carbon dioxide outgas, which then amplifies this initial change. It's kind of like called a positive feedback. Okay. Um, and this causes like the, the plus or minus four or five degrees centigrade or uh, seven degrees or eight degrees Fahrenheit change, right. um, so so it as as it's a, as it's a cyclical thing, the 
so that once the orbit goes back to a situation where it can cool, the whole situation can reverse. So the, so the sunlight gets distributed in such a way that the ocean currents uh, change so that the ocean temperatures become a bit cooler. They can then suck in more carbon dioxide. Uh, and then it's sort of like the whole thing sort of uh, starts to start to, start to cool off again. We're going to go to a, a sort of a graph, which you can which you can find online. And I will put the, the website in the show notes. It's from a cartoon, a scientific cartoon called XKCD. Uh, and I probably just like mentioned the, the web link here. It's XKCD.com forward slash 1732 forward slash. So that's our timeline from the last 20,000 years. Yes. So, the, so the, before, before we start looking at this plot, uh, a few dates for you. So this, this time series has 20,000 years. Uh, and 20,000 years ago, it was dead cold. Like I was saying before, there was an ice sheet that was sort of half covering the UK, something like four degrees colder than now. So a few facts for this time series. So 20,000 years ago, the Earth was dramatically cooler than it is now. It was four degrees colder. There was an ice sheet sitting on top of the UK. Then uh, things started to warm up. So this this abrupt warming. You know, so we were saying that the cool downs took a long time. The warmings up uh, happened much faster. So this abrupt warming happens over the next fifteen thousand years. So all the way to about seven thousand years ago. Uh, you get this temperature rise. And then once we hit the maximum, then because of the orbits, the Earth, the, the Earth is then in a sort of a cooling phase. And this is the slower one. So so currently now uh, we're in, believe it or not, we should be, according to the orbits, in a cooling phase. Right. So can you uh, describe a little bit the, the XKCD plot? OK, so this... This X, uh, XKCD timeline is like a kind of historical timeline from the last 20,000 years. We'll put the link in the show notes. So it starts 20,000 years ago. So as I mentioned before, uh, humans been around for about 300,000 years. This is like the end of the last ice age. Uh, so it was four degrees colder then. And what we see is that there's a very, very gradual warming up across very early human history when we see the beginnings of the ice sheets melting, which is then what enables more of the, the spreading of humanity. So whereas before we were living largely in Africa, this is what enabled us to spread uh, beyond Africa, beyond the uh, Asian, Eurasian plate, and the, the, the melting of the ice caps actually then revealed a land bridge uh, between uh, Asia and North America, uh, which means that about 14,500 BC, humans were able to reach North America. So that's mm -hmm. actually when we see the Native American tribes. Um, when, when we're in um, uh, Arizona, we were talking to some Navajo Indians. Uh, the Navajo Nation is is one of the most successful uh, Native American tribes uh, in the States 
Uh, they've got uh, the, the largest reservation in, in the whole of the US. It spreads across about three states. And mm. we were we were talking to them and they were saying that that they are ethnically related to Mongolians. Oh, wow. because uh, as we can see from from this, like 14,500 BC, they were coming across from the Mongolian plateau over the land bridge what, across what is now the, the Bering Strait between Russia and Alaska and then mm. coming down into North America uh, and and uh, developing their cultures then. Um, yes. And so we, we see the warming continue. Uh, woolly rhinos went extinct about 13,000 BC. And uh, we see the ice sheets continuing to withdraw as the world warms uh, until we see it hitting about 11,500 BC. And then we actually see that there's there's almost this slight reversal, this this slight fluctuation, because mm -hmm. from my understanding from this, as the ice melted, all of that cold water going into the oceans then may have had an impact on um, the ocean circulation, uh, which then might have led to a slight cooling. But it was only like a very temporary dip, maybe of about half a degree before it starts to increase again um, right. until about 10,000 BC, which is when it starts being warm enough and we start developing farming as a technique. Um, mm. And saber toothed tigers die out. And uh, it says Pokemon go extinct here, but I don't think that's true. <laughs> well, uh, it is, it is, it's, it's a sort of a comic cartoon, isn't it? So. <laughs> um and then yeah so and then these rising sea levels then cut off the land bridge between north america and asia so we then see that complete separation of culture uh, mm. there and then it actually shows that uh, by around about 7000 bc the the world has warmed to about half a degree warmer than it is today right sorry before. just to, just to, just to correct so the half a degree warmer than the pre-industrial uh, period. So in 1850. Oh, right. Yeah. So it wouldn't be warmer than it is today because we've warmed it by one degree centigrade. But yeah. Okay. Okay. And then we see um, that that is remaining pretty consistent uh, with uh, the temperatures remains pretty consistent um, right the way through, through to, oh, about 5,500 BC. There was a, a massive volcanic eruption in Oregon. Uh, we actually visited this. It's one of the national parks. It's the only national park in um, in the state of Oregon on the West Coast. And yeah. it's just this absolutely massive hole. Uh, the, there's a huge crater and uh, it is caused by a volcanic eruption. It's about, about two miles across, um, purely filled with um, beautiful crystal blue water caused by purely from snow melt and, and rainfall because mm. the elevation of it there's there's no rivers that feed it at all uh, yeah. and this volcanic eruption um was so massive see if i can dig out the facts here so it was so massive that the the mountain that was there was about twelve thousand foot high um, yeah. the eruption was so massive that it blew four thousand feet off the top of the mountain um, oh, and it actually created a six mile wide crater, not two miles. And um, to give you an idea of how big that was, like when Mount St. Helens erupted, which is just a little bit further north 
than Crater Lake. Uh, that was the, the biggest landslide in recorded human history from a volcanic eruption, caused the entire state of Washington to go into a state of emergency when that erupted. Uh, mm. This eruption was 40 times larger than that eruption, uh, which is just absolutely mind-blowing. And it's still a, yeah. still an active volcano now. Um, so, yeah, so that um, may have caused a slight cooling um, mm -hmm. of the earth from those volcanic eruptions. But as you can see on here, like any kind of impact from these volcanic eruptions is absolutely negligible when it comes to having an impact on the, the global temperatures, um, uh, global average temperature. Uh, yeah. And then we see that the, the earth begins to slowly cool from beyond that point to yeah. the point where we get to, as we've talked about previously, the, the mini ice age um, over the course of about like 500 AD through to the start of the 20th century. But then yeah. we see this absolutely ridiculous off the scale rapid increase that is just completely unprecedented from the last uh, 100, 100 years. So so after after looking at that, uh, that XKCD plot, John, has has climate changed before humans were around or not not before they were around but before the you know the the advent of coal oil and gas yeah it it has we we've seen over hundreds of thousands of years uh, tens of thousands of years sorry uh, that there have been gentle fluctuations up and down uh, between like 4.3 degrees below uh, the temperatures in 1850 up to about half a degree above but you see that those fluctuations are fluctuating from cooler than we've had it up to about where we are now um, but they've been happening very very slowly oscillating backwards and forwards whereas the measurable impact from the last century is is significantly faster significantly on a on a track if it continues to be significantly hotter than we've had in in definitely in the last twenty thousand years, if not significantly longer. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So does that mean that the current warming is natural? Doesn't doesn't look like it fits that pattern at all. I mean, there's quite an interesting point that it makes earlier on in the diagram, where it talks about the fact that the the nature of our methodology for collecting this evidence uh, means that we're almost taking like snapshots. Um, and that what we're putting together from this is um, averaged out. Uh, but they kind of show that there's a, a model that if you looked at all the potential variations that it could be, those variants could only be that there was like a sudden dramatic increase every now and then, or that they vary like to a certain degree beyond the kind of frame that's shown there. But there isn't anything that would be a sudden rapid increase like what we've been seeing in the last 100 years. Yeah, that's a very good point. I just recommend if you're if you're listening to this and it's not making any sense, look in, look in the show notes because it, it really does make so much more sense when you're looking at it at the same time. Yes. And the, the other thing that's also worth pointing out uh, about this is that uh, we're currently due to orbital variations. We should be cooling, if anything. Right. Uh, so, so, so that the the people who invoke changes in orbits as a possible cause were in the wrong phase to be doing that. Right. So, what's next up then, Mark? 
So can I get you, John, to load up this, this kind of article from Bloomberg uh, that shows you some data from, from NASA, uh, Goddard Institute for Space Science? Okay, yeah, got it. Great. So uh, we, unfortunately, this, this used to be sort of open access, this, this news article. Uh, since, I don't know, about a year ago, you, you have to actually pay Bloomberg to see it. But I guess we can find some, some uh, what do you call it, some, we can get some screenshots and put them in the show notes uh, for, for people who want to see what we're talking about. Uh, but uh, John, I believe you have, you have access, got it in front of you. So, so the, the previous XKCD plot was all about uh, climate has changed before and giving you a bit a bit more of a foundation in, in what's kind of been going on, you know, over the last million years uh, or even even deeper into time than that. Um, now, uh, that's only one part of the ziggurat level two. Uh, the world is warming, but we are. It's not due to human causes. Uh, so. Uh, the other sort of the big uh, type of ziggurat level two argument is, you know, it's the sun, it's volcanoes, it's uh, I think I came up with something like in the in the skeptical science list, there was something like 28 separate arguments I could find that were of that type. It's something else other than human caused greenhouse gases. Um, so next time we, we we do an episode, we'll go into the particulars of different arguments a little bit more. Uh, but for now, again, like before with the, the XKCD, we're just gonna give you a little bit more of a grounding in what the, the science says uh, about the actual causes of, of the warming that's happened since 1850 or 1880, since the, the beginning of the, the pre-industrial. John, I believe you have it open. Yeah. Uh, take it away. Give, give, us, give us a little uh, explanation of what you see. Okay, so there's a series of graphs that show how the average temperature has changed between uh, the compared to the 1880 to 1910 average, um, and it goes up till 2014. Uh, basically, you see the the pattern being that there is a significant increase, probably from about uh, 1950 onwards. Um, that has not shown any sign on average is coming back down. What these series of graphs do is they compare each of the uh, those temperature changes in comparison to each of the different suggested alternative possible reasons. So for example, is it caused by changes in the Earth's orbit as we've been discussing? Is it caused by changes in the sun's temperature? Is it caused by volcanoes? Is it caused by a combination of them? Is it caused by deforestation? Which, you know, regardless, you could say, well, that's definitely human caused. Uh, is it caused by ozone pollution? Is it caused by aerosol pollution? And then finally comparing it to greenhouse gases. And what each of the uh, graphs show is that, yes, there is variance in potential temperature changes and average temperature changes in relation to each of those categories, but none of them correlate with the changes that we've actually seen, except for greenhouse gases. And those greenhouse gases demonstrate the most closely correlating change compared to what we've actually seen in temperature changes. 
Great explanation, John. Um, yeah, so so essentially the, the, the way this, the, the data that's being shown here, it's kind of using uh, climate models. So, so climate scientists, if they want to make some uh, prediction about what, what the, the temperature might be like in 100 years time, uh, they have, you know, they have these very complicated like computer models. And in these computer models, they have to include everything that will affect the, the climate. So, so things like uh, what's happening uh, with uh, volcanic activity, what's happening with land use change, these sorts of things. So, so there has to be so uh, some sort of in the model there has to be if you emit this much carbon dioxide uh, per year, that's going to result in this much warming. So they have to include all the factors, not just carbon dioxide, but anything that could potentially um, you know, influence the climate. And of course, you know, the, when, when we make projections about 2100, it's sensitive to uh, what, uh, how much we think we're going to emit into the future. And so like, obviously we don't know that, but we can make guesses and we can have like, they, they tend to have like different scenarios uh, one where we emit less and one where we emit more. Um, but in any case, that's not that relevant here because what we're looking at is we're looking at past data. And so basically, this is a way for climate modelers to test their models. So so they basically, they have some, they have the observational data because you know we have the data of what the climate's been doing since 1880. Um, and we can then run these different models uh, and then we can see uh, do do we get um, does the model output a kind of a similar uh, temperature uh, change to what we see in the observed records? Uh, and so, uh, when you put all of the factors together, you do get like a remarkably close um, uh, match between what the models say the temperature should have been the temperature change should have been between 1880 and 2014. But um, you, what's, what's clever about this kind of article is that it separates out the different components. So yeah. like the, the sun, for example, the, so the sun does have an 11 year solar cycle. So there are slight increases in activity. But then then so so you this is just one of these. There are lots of different climate models around the world. This is one that NASA uses. And so uh, they went, went so, so they output the component for the sun. And you don't really get you get like a little bits of up and down, but it's nothing on the scale of, you know, the, the temperature change that we're seeing. So I can't really account for it. Any. So, so OK, so we so carbon dioxide makes the planet warm up. Did, did you did you find any um, components that cause the climate to cool down? Yeah, it's quite interesting that the, the very final one shows a combination of all of the man made impacts. So the greenhouse gas one actually shows a kind of trajectory that's actually above what we're actually seeing with the temperature changes we've been making caused by greenhouse gases. So but predicts, when you combine it, so with, it predicts. Sorry, sorry. So so it predicts more temperature change than we're seeing in the observations. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but then if you add in the impact of aerosol pollution, which is actually um, modelled to decrease temperatures mm -hmm. uh, and ozone pollution which is also supposed to decrease uh, temperatures um, then the 
you put those together and what you actually see is something that almost directly correlates with what we've actually got going on. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So it's uh, and again, this is this is where it's going to be a little bit of a nightmare because we, we're, we're trying to clean up aerosol pollution. Um, and in so doing, what will happen is that these these aerosols, they kind of a lot of them reflect away solar radiation. So as yeah. as we stop putting them into the atmosphere, they fall out. The numbers of aerosols are going to reduce. And this is going to mean probably that we're going to get more warming, at least in the short term, as the, the atmosphere yeah. adjusts to the amount of carbon dioxide. So, so actually, in a way, it's dangerous to do something about aerosol pollution in isolation um, because it will accelerate um, the impact of CO2 in the atmosphere. We need to actually be addressing the CO2 as the priority with aerosol pollution almost being kind of very carefully monitored so that we can bring it down effectively. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, I guess that's a little bit uh, controversial in the way because like with aerosol pollution, it's basically if you burn coal, you get all this shit that goes up into the atmosphere as well as CO2. And, and that causes a lot of like, you know, respiratory problems for people. Ah, OK, so you can't you can't separate them out as simply as just stopping aerosols. But <laughs> uh, yeah, you can't just do one and not the other. Yes, exactly. Um, but I mean, there are there are people who've thought, OK, so like volcanoes can by spewing out these aerosols into the stratosphere, they can like reflect away sunlight. This might be a way we can maybe like temporarily get some time with climate change. However, that's a whole other debate and I'm not going to go into that now. But um, yeah. but yeah, just, but like so just sorry. start start poking Yellowstone. Um, that might <laughs> help us out. Yeah. Do you think it'll erupt if we poke it hard enough? <laughs> um, OK, just to sum up from that, uh, that very cool uh, Bloomberg post. Uh, sorry, not post. It's kind of like an interactive article. Uh, you, you, you'll, you'll be able to see screenshots of it. But, you know, the, 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 the dynamic thing is, is pretty, pretty, pretty impressive. Um, so since 1880, uh, what would you say what factors have influenced the global climate, John? Greenhouse gases, aerosol pollution being the primary ones, um, deforestation. Most of the rest of them have, have been pretty negligible on an impact, really. Negligible. So the sun, for example, has has had pretty much. No, I'd, I'd say the sun is. Yeah, the sun is probably the most flat line across it all. Volcanoes have on several occasions led to a, a decrease in temperatures. Very, very interesting. So, OK, tell me, John, we've been talking a lot about the science of climate change. Do you have any uh, good news without the hopium or is it just another week of more forest fires and floods? <laughs> well, uh, this week's uh, climate good news story, uh, I've gone for something a little bit more local to us in the UK. So it's a news story from the UK. Uh, apparently in the first six months of 2023, the UK achieved record numbers of the installations for heat pumps and solar panels uh, across the UK in UK homes. Uh, there's been a 62% rise in solar panel installations in the last year mm -hmm. from 2022. Uh, that's averaging out at about 17,000 new installations of solar panels a month. 
Uh, heat pumps. So heat pumps are a way of heating your home with a, a much lower carbon footprint uh, than from gas boilers or anything like that. Uh, there were 17,920 installed in the first six months of the year in the UK. Uh, the government has set a target of 600,000 uh, heat pumps to be installed by 2028. So, you know, we've got a lot more, a lot more we've got to go to in order to get to that point um, by 2028. So they're, they're saying that the well, the experts in the field are saying that we need about 50,000 experienced personnel working in the industry to be able to install all of those and meet that target. So, you know, if you're if you're fresh out of university, if you're looking for a career, uh, then getting a job as an engineer installing heat pumps might be the way to go. It's going to be a growing market. You're very much needed. Um, and then when it comes to our target for the capacity for uh, solar energy creation, we're aiming to expand to having 70 gigatons of solar capacity by 2025. Um, now, I, I couldn't get my head around this. Do, do you happen to know, Mark, what, what is a gigaton? Yeah, I was a bit confused by the units. Uh, is it not gigawatts of solar? Normally they talk about gigawatts. Yeah, I, I, when I looked up it, it had um, energy measured in kilowatt hours or a billion kilowatt hours. So I'm not quite sure how it relates um, to gigatons um, as a measure, but that's what it said in the article. So, so this is this is great because it, it shows that the country is really committed to addressing climate change but also is really really important for showing the role individual families play in creating a sustainable future for us all like and and this might be a great way of, of engaging more people in the idea of, of adapting these uh, like climate saving and more sustainable strategies uh, because essentially by installing solar panels on your house, by having a heat pump that has a, a lower carbon in, in, uh, footprint, it means it's making the UK a lot more sustainable and self-reliant. You know, for a lot of people that are politically minded to not be motivated uh, purely by sustainability, the idea of us not being dependent on energy sources from outside of the UK, uh, mm. not being reliant. I mean, I think the UK only uses... Uh, about 13% of its uh, oil of its oil and gas coming from Russia, for example. Uh, but, you know, if we can move more into, you know, onshore uh, wind farms and having solar panels and, and reducing our carbon footprint uh, through heat pumps, that's really going to help the UK to not be as reliant on, on foreign imports uh, to the country, which is would be better off for us. Um, so, and it's saying, and again, it, it mentions gigatons here as well, uh, but there's um, small scale renewable energy projects in the UK um, have the capacity to generate four gigatons of energy per year. So it shows that like by decentralizing energy generation by individuals going some way towards generating their own energy, it, it can have a massive impact on on energy energy creation in the country and in other countries. Like I, I know my, my dad's had solar panels on his house for a good few years now. And yes, there was an upfront investment, 
And, you know, if governments can be subsidising and supporting that, I think that will help a huge number of people uh, be able to get solar panels uh, on their houses. But he's really, really chuffed because uh, uh, when it's a lovely sunny day, he's actually paying into the grid for energy. He's mm. actually making money from having solar being generated from the roof of his house. Um, so it's, it's a, a great, very efficient way uh, of generating energy. Yeah, yeah. And you're damn right about like, you know, so so like, I guess certain people on the political spectrum would be, you know, motivated by environmental reasons. But, you know, for those who aren't, there are other reasons, you know, we can, you know, we can, you can save yourself money, uh, you know, especially price of fossil fuels is, you know, pretty, yeah. pretty damn high with the war in Ukraine and whatnot. Um, and yeah, and, and just like reducing the independence on, you know, these different countries that supply us with fossil fuels. So there are very, Various reasons why you might want to become, you know, switch to renewables. Um, so, that, yeah, certainly. OK, so we're, we're coming towards uh, the end of uh, this uh, this week's episode. So to, to sum up this time, we've been talking about what the science says about the causes of global warming over the last 150 years. We're we're really starting to tackle the second level of the ziggurat. We've looked previously at the arguments that global warming isn't happening. Now we're starting to tackle the idea that global warming is happening, but the argument that it might not be human caused. And we're looking directly at what has the human impact been over the last 150 years. Uh, so that's giving us a, a great footing uh, uh, to segue into next uh, time's episode. So that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. You can find a link to all the materials that we have referenced in this episode in our show notes. Next time, we will examine what all of those wonderful skeptics, deniers and contrarians have to say about the arguments that global warming is not man-made. Uh, we hope you'll join us then. If you've enjoyed the episode, we'd really, really appreciate you supporting the show further uh, by leaving us a review on iTunes, Apple uh, Podcasts, as it's known as now. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon at Countering Climate Skepticism, skepticism spelt with a K instead of a C. If you want to know more about Countering Climate Skepticism, check out our website at ccspod dot podbean dot com so that's ccspod dot podbean dot com you can also send us feedback and suggestions for arguments that you would like us to discuss uh, or ideas for guests that we could connect with and and get on at the show to to discuss uh, climate denial and, and things like that. You can connect with us through social media on our website. It has links to all of our uh, different social media platforms and can sign up to a, a mailing list as well. So that's it for this week. Goodbye from me, John Rainier. And goodbye from me, Mark Prosser. And I'm going to leave you with a quote for today from Jane Goodall, the world's leading expert on chimpanzees, no less. Uh, but this quote seemed very relevant to what we've talked about today. You cannot get through a single day without having an impact on the world around you. What you do makes a difference and you have to decide what kind of difference you want to make. Thank you very much. See you next time. Thank you.